Last week we saw in verses 12 through 24 that Paul is dealing with the issue of discontentedness in the Corinthian life. This is seen in how people were wanting to be married but couldn't. And people who were married but didn't wish to be married anymore. People who were Jewish but were wanting to lose their Jewish identity through circumcision, covering up the scars of circumcision. People who were Gentiles but were wanting to be more Jewish. People who were bond servants and desiring to be free. And the idea behind all those ideas is the wanting for more, the searching for more, as if having more was an answer to any of your problems or my problems. We saw a lot last week that Paul resorted to the sovereignty of God as being the solution for their discontentedness. And we examine how that is also true in our life. To be remain in God, to be happy in God, no matter where we find ourselves in, no matter what social status, economic status that we find ourselves in, it is by God's sovereign decree that we are where we are and we need to be happy in the Lord, find our joy in God with whatever we find ourselves in. No matter what mistakes we have made that led us to this place, no matter what trials or tribulations the Lord has let into our life, we need to worship God who is sovereign and, as Paul says in verse 24, so brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So no matter what you are, who you are, what you've been through, you don't need your circumstances to change in order to be a better Christian. Repent of sin, know God is sovereign, be content with your calling, and have your joy grounded in Christ. And now we move to verse 25. And don't forget in this entire section that Paul is dealing with questions that the Corinthians had of him. He spent the first um, six chapters dealing with sin in the church. And he's still dealing with sin in this chapter. But now this is more in questions they have of Paul. Questions that revolve around marriage and divorce and remarriage and singleness and widows and all this stuff. And we've talked a lot about uh, married people and unmarried people in the weeks before in chapter 7. Today, Paul is going to address a different uh, kind of group in the church, and those are singles. The Bible has a lot to say about singles, those who are not married. Whether they've never been married, or whether they are um, divorced, or whether they are widowed, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And I think sometimes I think singles feel left out. And I want to encourage your heart today. You are not left out. You are not less valuable because you are single. You are just as worthy and valuable and important to God. No matter your relationship status. And this is what one of the things that Paul is leading into after no matter what your calling is, remain in God. Paul said earlier in this chapter that sometimes singleness is a gift given to some and others who are single who don't have that gift, who don't want that gift, right? Desire to be married. But again, the issue is not changing our status, but changing our hearts to be focused on Christ and now Paul has instructions for these single people in verses 25 through 40. Let's read it. 
He begins in verse 25 by saying, now concerning the betrothed, like he's answering their question. The word betrothed there literally means virgins. It's translated uh, betrothed because of the context of the chapter being about marriage and single people. Paul is, refer- is referencing those who are virgins or those who had never been married. The ESV translates it out of the context that we're there. Think of Mary and Joseph. This is what the word betrothed means. The betrothal period for a young couple in this day was not like our engagement period, but it's the best kind of analogy to use. It was the time before they were married, before they were uh, physically together. They were legally married even though they had not consummated the marriage by sexual relations. Remember, Mary and Joseph, they were together. They were legally married. They were betrothed. They were promised to one another. However, Mary was a virgin, right? She had not been with another man. She was still in that betrothal period. She was a virgin. Same thing. Now Paul is addressing those betrothed, those virgins in that context that are in Corinth. What does he say? He says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Paul is saying, I don't have a specific command or counsel. Earlier, he quotes the Lord Jesus and references what, the, what Jesus has taught previously about marriage. Here he's saying, what I'm about to tell you, I'm not commanding you singles to do. I'm just giving you my best judgment. And let's not forget, Paul was a single man. Paul was not married at this time. There's some argument that he was married previously in his life because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. In order to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to have been married. So what happened to Paul's wife? We don't know. Is Paul divorced? Is he widowed? We're not sure. All we know is that he is not married in this phase of his life or in his ministry. He is speaking to singles as a single person. So hear Paul and what he says. I'm giving you my judgment as one who can be trusted by God's mercy. He says in verse 26, I think that in the view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Here again, he continues that theme that we've been seeing this whole chapter. Stay married. Right? In essence, he's going to give this encouragement to singles, not as a command, but as encouragement, as, an, as advice, to remain as you are, single. And let's go see what Paul says about that and why he says that. He says really three things that give this counsel some weight. The first one is The present distress. In view of the present distress. What is Paul meaning here? Well, we're not exactly sure. He doesn't tell us specifically what this present distress is. Probably the best best answers to what that present distress is. During this time of the first century, there was this huge famine that was going on. There was great lack of food supply. There was also, Paul could be referencing... Uh, the persecution that is about to erupt about 10 years after the writing of this letter. Paul knows hard times are coming. The Christians are going to be martyred and killed for their faith. That Jerusalem is about to be destroyed in the year 70 AD. He could be uh, referencing um, the return of the last days, which there's a good argument for that. 
Paul himself saw himself as living in the final days of earth. And really when we talk about the last days, the New Testament speaks of it as any time past the resurrection, we're in the last days. The Lord Jesus could return at any time. And so, in view of the present distress, the persecutions, the famineness, of the hardships of life, being killed, being persecuted, I'm going to encourage you to remain as you are. He says in verse 27, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Now, the wording is a little bit confusing, but remember, the context is not, it is single people. So when he says, are you bound to a wife, he's talking about those who are betrothed to be married. They were legally husband and wife, although they had not physically consummated the relationship. So, for example, Joseph and Mary were we're legally obligated now to get married. And Paul says, if you've already made a promise, if you're already betrothed to somebody, if you have a legal wife, honor the promise. You cannot break free. Do not set free from that agreement, that covenant that you've made legally. Are you free from a wife? Meaning you're not betrothed? Then don't seek a wife. Why? Because of this present distress that is coming. Why would Paul be against marriage? Well, he's not. Paul is not against marriage. His reasoning is because of the present distress of the day. He's not saying marriage is wrong. He's giving them encouragement, advice, counsel. There are hard days coming. And when you're married, you're just not responsible for yourself anymore. You've got someone else to care for. You've got someone else to feed. And then you have children and you have more mouths to feed. Do you realize how hard it's going to be? And again, this is in the context of people who are realizing, I need to be married to better my life. I need to be married to be a better Christian. And Paul's saying, none of those answers are going to satisfy your longings for a spiritual higher plane. There's tougher days that are coming. And my best encouragement and advice to you is to remain as you are. Look at verse 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Again, he's not against marriage. He's saying, remember, he said, I'm not giving this as a command of the Lord that you have to do this. I'm just saying this is what you ought to consider. And if you get married, fine. Yet those who marry, and here it is, will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. To those who are betrothed, Paul is saying, if you're going to get married to solve all your problems, don't. Because marriage brings on a whole nother level of problems. I'm surprised I didn't hear amen anywhere there. (laughs) Yeah, exercising wisdom, good idea, all right. Um, It's not wrong to get married, but if you're looking... For marriage to fix yourself. Mm -mm. You're bringing on yourself a whole heap of troubles. Or if you're going to marry somebody to fix them. You're in trouble. Those who are married will face more worldly trouble. 
In these days of famine, persecution, end times, Paul says, the trouble that comes your way will only double. You just don't have to worry about feeding yourself. You have to worry about feeding your spouse and you're feeding your kids and feeding your family. And good, that's a good thing. But if you're really going to get out of one troubling spot, thinking that this is going to be a bed of roses, you've got another thing coming. Because... Marriage is simply the uniting of two sinners together. And when you have two sinners together, you're going to just have more sin together. (laughs) Hmm. Marriage is beautiful. Families are beautiful. It's God's design. He's ordained it. It's a beautiful institution. But simply what Paul is saying to these single people here, if you're getting married to solve your problems... Don't. There will be disagreements. There will be hurt. There will be resentment. There will be bitterness. There will be some very bad, troubling days. And of course we all know this to be true. There are no perfect marriages. There is no happily ever after, as in there's never a day of trouble in your marriage life. That's foolishness. And I think we would all agree to that. Of course, we all are happily married. Uh, Some of us would say that. But what we're saying is, of course, we are content where God has us. We love our spouse. We have honored this commitment. We have made this commitment. Uh, She is the one for me, right? It's, It's it. It's beautiful. Again, what Paul is trying to say is, be happy where you are. Remain in God. Again, it's a carryover from last week. It's a carryover from verse 24. No matter what your calling is, remain there in God. You married? Great, stay married. You unmarried? Great, stay unmarried. Unless you can't help it because you're burning with passion. He also says that. You're not circumcised? Great, stay uncircumcised. You're a bondservant? Great, stay like that. Remain in God. Changing your social status won't make you any happier as a Christian. You promise to be married? Great. Honor that commitment. Get married. You're betrothed? Seal the deal. Go all the way. You're not promised to be married? It's probably better you didn't marry, considering what's going on today. That's what Paul's saying to the first century Corinthians. What does Paul mean here? Well, I'm glad because he explains it. Look at verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. Thank you for making it very clear, Paul. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. I mean, this is kind of a weird passage right here. If I could be honest. But if you understand it in context, it's beautiful. You understand the point that Paul is trying to make. At first glance, it seems like Paul is downplaying marriage, downplaying our sorrows and crying, downplaying material possessions, downplaying 
uh, even having any relations or dealing with anything in the world whatsoever, but he's not. And all you have to do is just read the, first of re- the, the rest of 1 Corinthians and Paul's epistles, and you'll see that that's nothing that Paul is trying to say. What he's trying to say by saying these verses is this. Don't be so preoccupied by the things of life, for they are here today and gone tomorrow. None of these things last forever. None of them. He said the time is short. Again, Paul's probably thinking, here's persecution, here's famine. The Lord Jesus is coming back. The time is short. The things of this world in their present form are fading away. So why live your life for something that won't truly satisfy your deepest cravings and longings when it will be gone tomorrow? None of these things last You're preoccupied about getting married. You're preoccupied about your worries. You're preoccupied about rejoicing the things that don't matter. You're preoccupied with material possessions. You're preoccupied with the things of this world. None of those things last. Not even marriage. What? Yeah. Once you die, you are no longer married. There is no marriage in heaven. You won't still be married to your, and trust me, this, this is one of those things that I'm just like, I struggle with. Because the thought of me not being married to Lori forever in heaven just kind of kills me, honestly. Right? But, but I'm in this body. I'm in this world. I don't have no idea what, Dan won't care then, honestly. Because it's going to be a totally different state totally sinless state. I'm going to be glorified in my body. I'm going to have all of my affections renewed. My focus will totally be the Lord Jesus and so will yours. But this is what the Bible says. There is no marriage in heaven. You won't be married to your spouse here on this earth in eternity. And it kills me because in my wedding ring, it says, listen to this. I got You can't see it, but I, just read it to me. I'll read it to you. It says, LDP and DAS Eight fourteen ninety nine forever. Forever in this life, till death do us part. And this is what Jesus teaches. I, I know this is kind of strange and troubling. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time. But you won't be married to your spouse in heaven. This is what Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, verse 18. And Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, they're trying to trick Jesus here. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. I see, they're try- they think they got Jesus here. 
So, so here's, set, and, and this is the rule, if your, if your brother had the, uh, the law of Moses, if your brother did not have offspring, you were to take his wife and further his line. So here's this woman, has seven brothers, all seven legally married, and she has no children with any of them, but she was legally married to all of them, and they say, which one will be she married to in heaven? And Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And so, the point here that Paul is trying to say, let those who are married live as they had no, for those who have wives live as though they had none. That sounds weird. Wait a minute. I have a wife. I better live every day like I have a wife, right? Amen. <laughs> But Paul is not saying, Dan, consider yourself... Okay, all right. Listen. Paul is not saying, consider yourself every day to be unmarried. No, no, no. He's talking to the single people here. He's saying, listen. You have it today. You may have it today. But it will be gone for tomorrow. So to put all of your affections into something that is temporary... To find satisfaction, to find meaning, to find purpose, to find completeness, to find all these romantic things we throw at it, right? When you die, it dissolves the marriage. And there is no marriage in heaven. Now trust me, I don't like that either, but it's the word of God. And I'll understand it later, I'm sure. And so will you. He's encouraging single people. Hey, if you get married, great. Awesome. Get married. But let me encourage you. That marriage is not forever. You don't need marriage to be a better Christian. Be the kind of Christian you are now as a single person. As a widowed person. As a divorced person. Be the kind of person that loves the Lord where you are and whatever calling God has called you to, whether that is singleness or widowhood or living the rest of your life without a marriage partner, marriage spouse. We are too preoccupied with the temporary and what Paul is trying to say is this world is fading away. Fix your eyes on eternity. Be content with God in your current state and phase of life. Because that's all you need to be the kind of person God has called you to be. And if you are doing that as a married person, awesome. But you could also do that just as fulfilling as a single person. And give glory to God the same way. Of course, the longings of our heart we want those relationships. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. There's nothing wrong with wanting to find someone to spend the rest of your life with. Nah, absolutely there's nothing wrong with that. Paul is trying to encourage these single people who think that this is the end all be all and if they don't get married, they're a nobody. 
That the thing that they're investing so much of their energies, the thing that's causing them so much depression and anxiety, is, won't even last in eternity. So give glory to God. Remain in God no matter what your calling is. So the first thing is, I want you to be aware, number one, of the current distress. Remain as you are. Secondly, fix your eyes in heaven, for the things of this world are fading and fleeting. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul encourages Timothy with these words. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Hmm. We brought nothing in this world, we cannot take anything out. And people do this a lot more than just with marriage and relationships. We do this with possessions, houses, bank accounts, toys, idolatry of relationships. Marriage is not eternal, neither are your worries, neither the things that you enjoy that are not eternal, neither your possessions nor this world. Fix your eyes on God. Be content in him. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 in Sermon on the Mount, when we're, that we should not worry about whether we eat or what we will wear, but instead, what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Hmm. He says in verse 32, 1 Corinthians 7. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman <coughs> is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please her husband. Here's the contrast. For those who are seeking a higher spiritual plane through marriage, guess what? If you want to be more spiritual and have your focus more centered on Christ, stay single. Because once you're married, your attention and your affections are divided. The married people have to be concerned about one another. Not that they don't love the Lord any less, but it's, it's more difficult in that way. Marriage is not the answer for you to be content. Again, Paul is saying that's not because he's anti-marriage. No, he's anti-using marriage as a solution to fix who you are. He's, using, he's anti-using marriage as the way to a higher spiritual level. If you're married, stay married. If you're not married, think twice about why you want to get married. Again, Paul says in verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you. Again, he's not saying, all you married people better feel guilty. Because you don't love the Lord as much as these single people. No, no, no. I'm not saying this to lay any kind of restraint on you. 
but to promote good order and to secure your undivided attention to the Lord. That's the third reason that Paul gives. One, the current distress. Second, fix your eyes on eternity. And thirdly, singleness brings about a way to focus on Christ in ways that I could not if I were not single. Paul could serve Christ in ways, because he was a single man, that he could not have if he were married. He traveled the world, was a tent maker, visiting all around the world, preaching the gospel on three missionary journeys, and then one to Rome, which led to his death. Paul would not have had that freedom to go around the world as a single man to preach the gospel, to be used by God if he were a married man. This is what he's trying to say. There's also benefits to being single, spiritually speaking. Focus on the Lord, devote yourself to Christ. And then he affirms, just in case he wants, he thinks the married people or the betrothed or people about to be married are about to get a guilt trip. He says in verse 36, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. He says, if you need to get married to remain sexually pure, go for it. That's a good reason to get married because God has given us sex and marriage as a gift to keep us pure and to divert our passions in a godly way. God has created marriage in that way and it's beautiful. So if you need to get married because you can't stay pure without it, God has given you this gift. Get married. Look at verse 37. But whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. Okay, so you aren't struggling with your passions. You don't need marriage to remain sexually pure, but you still want to marry this person? Great, get married. You're doing a good thing. It's not sin. So then he, verse 38, who marries his betrothed does well. And he who refrains from marriage will do Even better. Why? For the three reasons he has given. So if you get married, you're doing well. And if you don't get married, you do even better. You do even better. Because remember what Paul says. Be careful who you marry. Don't just jump in and get married just for the sake of getting married. No. It'll bring a lot of worldly trouble your way. It'll bring pains that might be difficult to recover from. Yes, it's a a God-ordained institution, but one that has two sinners at the core. And I think we all have experienced that in our lives, seen broken marriages around us, have been in broken marriages, painful marriages, We know that. But again, Paul has just given caution to these singles. You do even better. Instead of just wanting to get married because you think that'll do yourself some spiritual favors. No, no, no. Be careful who you marriage. Why? Because marriage is for life. Don't rush to get married and then find out, whoops, that was a mistake. Because you're bound by God. Underneath that covenant, in your marriage vows, we say, till death do us 
part. You're supposed to mean it. Of course, unless it's biblical exceptions, as we've already examined in the scriptures a few weeks ago, that being marital infidelity or abandonment by an unbeliever. Other than that, Paul says, verse 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if he dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. And of course, also the husband is also bound to his wife as well until she dies. He was probably dealing with a certain situation or question. This is why he mentions the wife. They probably asked Paul this question. This is how he's responding. If this sister who was legally married is now divorced and the divorce was not for biblical reasons, she should remain single until her husband dies. But once she is no longer bound, she can marry whoever she wants, if she wants to. Here's the only condition. It has to be in the Lord. What does that mean? Christians should only marry other Christians. Well, I'm not married to a Christian right now, Dan. Well, you're still married. And listen to last week's sermon about that. Because Paul says a lot about that in the previous verses. Stay married. But if you're going to get remarried, if you're going to get married now, marry a believer. Marry a believer. That's a biblical command. In verse 40, Paul concludes, She can marry whoever she wants, only in the Lord. However, in my judgment, and Paul says this as a single man, she is happier if she remains as she is because of the reasons listed. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. What's Paul trying to say there? Yeah, I'm a single man. And guess what? I have the Holy Spirit. I have everything I need to be happy in God, to find my joy in Christ, to find fulfillment in life. I don't need marriage as a crutch to get me by. I'm fine to stay as I am because my focus is on Christ. Yes, Yes, you can live a joy-filled, fulfilling, purposeful life as a single person. Be encouraged, singles. Be encouraged. Satisfy yourself in God. Focus your relationship in Christ now. Instead of needing something else to complete the picture. Because what you think may, bring in, may offer to complete the picture will also bring itself troubles itself. This is why Paul says earlier in the chapter, 1 Corinthians 7, 6, As a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as myself am. But each has his own gift from God of one kind and one of another. So singleness can also be a beautiful thing. This is what Paul says underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. I, there's so many different experiences in this room. Divorced, widowed, single, never married. There's so many applications we can go here. But again, it's the same as last week. Remain in God. Be content with your calling. If God brings you a spouse, praise God. 
But if God doesn't bring you a spouse, then praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your holy word. I pray this word will encourage our singles in this room and those listening online. God, that we would first consume ourselves with finding our identity in Christ more than a relationship. And God, I'm not trying to minimize the, the feelings and the um, desires that people have. Of course, those, those are legitimate feelings and desires are, are good. Good desires that you've placed in them. But as Paul teaches here, God, may we, in spite of our circumstances or in spite of the outcome of what we desire, find our joy elsewhere. And just be thrilled with whatever else God brings our way if it comes to that. Oh God, thank you for our singles, those who are divorced, those who are widows, those who have not yet been married. We pray for them to remain pure. We pray for them to feel such a fulfilling call upon their life. As the Apostle Paul says, and I too have the Spirit of God. Oh, yes. Thank you for marriage. Thank you for the gift of being married. God, we rejoice in that. But thank you also for the gift and calling of single, singleness. May you be this all-consuming sufficiency for every longing and desire of their hearts and come and bring to pass all that you have commanded and willed and ordained for them. In Jesus' name, amen.